This episode was first published on May 3rd, 2014. This is episode 19 of Biblically Speaking, a conversational question and answer show with two guys from Millard Community Church in Omaha, Nebraska. There's a lot of noise on the internet and it's really hard to find high quality content. So if you think our content is high quality, do us a favor and share it with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Enjoy the show. So turn with me to John chapter 2, if you would. John 2? Yeah. Today, I want to ask you about Mary. That's a substantive topic with an ex-Catholic like me. I know. I know us Protestants are allergic to Mary in many ways. In many ways, because what the Catholics did to incorporate the goddess worship of Astarte around the... how they mixed the Babylonian system into the... Yeah, the Queen of Heaven. Yeah, the whole Queen of Heaven concept, Mm -hmm. odd but intentional mix of Judaism, Christianity, and ancient Babylonianism, adapting, as it were, Yeah, as all Roman systems do. Yeah, it just kind of munges everything together. Now, Rome's brought nothing to the table except the ability to mix other things. That's what Rome represents. Mixed the religion of the Babylonians, the economy of the Persians, and the military of the Greeks. It's a melting pot. Well, I wouldn't call it a melting <laughs> pot. Uh, more of a morphing culture, you know, sort of. Mm. To repurpose for their own uses. When I think of the melting pot, which is what we were taught about America, it's that yeah. people set aside their nationalism and adopted Americanism. There's no setting aside, really, of your... It's more of an, you might call it multiculturalism, Mm. actually, rather than melting pot. That's Roman. So, yeah, Mary has been usurped. Right. Shouldn't be ascribed to her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's been used. Used is a good word. Yeah. So far as, you know, you might suspect if she found out about how how she's viewed, she might not even appreciate that. Well, I mean, she's on the record for seriously opposing the Roman Catholic Church. She's on the record in the Bible opposing the Roman Catholic Church specifically when she says whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Because the Roman Catholics, of course, they tell you all kinds of stuff he never said to do. Hmm. Yeah. Don't eat meat on Friday. Go to Mass on Sunday. Yeah. Turn this wafer into deity. So that's the opposite of doing what he says. Is yeah. Doing what he doesn't what he say. Says. Yeah. Like have some guy that calls himself Father on Earth. Call no man on Earth your father. Yeah. All that. No graven images, all that. Yeah, the masters is a graven image. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. Great is great is uh Diana of the Ephesians? Yes. <laughs> you see, they were image makers. Yeah. They were silversmiths. Alexander. Alexander Smith. Right. One of the most wicked guys in the New Testament. Who did the apostle much harm? Did him a lot of damage. In Ephesus. The Lord will reward him according to his works. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that guy limited his damage to Paul just in Ephesus. Well, yeah, but probably introductory. Yeah, yeah. nice introduction. And I probably had a lifetime. I probably made a career of it. From the time he met him to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So 
this here in John chapter two, I mean, my interest and, and kind of what I want to talk about the relationship with Mary and the Lord, which is interesting. We know that, like you said, so many religions blow it out of proportion. Why is they, mother? They focus on the mother. So I would like to focus on the Bible, like what it says. And I think with this portion here in John chapter two is one that can oh, be Oh, it's confusing. the part I just quoted, isn't it? Yeah. I should have known that. You'd already turned me to John 2. Oh, I thought you did. Not firing on every cylinder. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you got it right. But this is the portion where she says that. Yes, it is. And this is... Good you know, advice. In the time span of the Lord's ministry, this is like right after his baptism, right? This is right after John the Baptist declares the Lamb of God, and he sees the Holy Spirit descend upon him as a dove. Yes. That whole thing happens in chapter one. Now we're in chapter two. Yes, so these are precise days given here. Yeah, and he's kind of began to gather to himself disciples, right? Well, it's the third day after after that day. Those first after the fourth day. Okay, third day after the fourth day. Third day after the fourth day. Okay, that'd be the, the seventh day. <laughs> that would make seven, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, the seventh day. There's a wedding. Right. So yeah. let's. Let's set aside all the symbolism that you're kind of trying to uncover there. We'll stay away from the eschatology of this. Yes, mm-hmm. and speak to the event. But it's there. I, you know, some listener might go, hey, I'm going to go back and see what's he talking about. I hope so. So go do that. We'll yeah, move on. Absolutely. Yeah. So at this wedding feast, this marriage in Canaan of Galilee. Yes, the beginning of his miracles. The beginning, yeah, the first of the miracles that John records. Mm-hmm. And it says, both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do. And then the miracle happens. He tells them what to do. Take the six pots, fill them with water. Six. Yeah. Six pots. Fill them with water. The water. water's turned into wine. Water to wine. And so on and so forth. Do Two pieces of good advice. From Mary. One from Mary. Whatever he tells you to do, whatever he says unto you, do it. Mm-hmm. And then some advice from the Lord, verse 7. Fill the water pots with water. More preachers should take that advice. It'd be just what he says, do. Mm-hmm. Fill the water pots with water. More preachers should do that? More, every preacher should do that. Every Christian should do that? Mm, this is about preachers here more. It is? Yeah. Why you is got that? a bunch of empty water pots. Why is that? Yeah, yeah, why is it? That's the, the job of the preacher. The job of the preacher is to take that earthen water pot that's sitting out there in your meetings or that you know it's in your congregation. And fill that pot with water. The water of the word. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's all you gotta do. Is that the like, service didn't have nothing else to do. They had no other thing to do. Is that like when he says, Peter, you know, feed my sheep, that kind of thing? Uh yeah. A bit. Okay. Although that was more about Peter's affections, wasn't it? It was more about, you know, if you're gonna if you're going to shepherd my sheep, it's going to take a complete alteration in your affections. And a sublimation of your affections. Mm. When he's talking to Peter, I don't want to take this where you don't want it to go. But when he's talking to Peter, 
He's working his affections. Right. He said, you know, do you love me in principle? And Peter says, you know, I have great affection for you. Well, when he says, you know, three times feed my little ones and feed my sheep, when he he says three times to feed, Mm -hmm. he's showing Peter that his affections that he has are not going to be enough to get that done. He's going to have to sublimate his affections Hmm. on principle and lay his life down for the sheep. That's what he's actually working at Gotcha. Okay, this here, one, now we have servants, with right? water. Yeah. This one, we have the servants. Yeah. Right. Who are there to provide the wedding feast. They're there to produce the wedding feast. Mm. And all the joy it goes with that. They're there to make that happen. And what they're told to do, to their surprise, fill the water pots with water. And not wine. Yeah. Well, How's, wine that? How's that going to help? You know, we can't possibly serve these people water. Yeah. I mean, that that's a really lousy wedding. By the way, for all the North American teetotalers out there that think teetotalism is Christian, I just ran into it again the other day. You know, the evils of alcohol. Yeah. Evil proceeds from the heart, not from the outside. So sure, somebody puts it in their heart, you know what, I'm going to distill this alcohol down to, you know, 180 proof. Maybe that's an evil intent. and The work as the result, of course, is something that if you don't handle way more carefully than you handle wine, you're going to be drunk. But I mean, do you really think the Lord made Kool-Aid here, or grape, grape juice. juice, like some of the Baptists, some of my Baptist friends teach? No, he's going to make wine. And do you think he policed all around that wedding to make sure nobody drank too much of it? Well, I mean, even the so-called governor here comments afterwards, and he says most people put the good wine out first, yeah. and then when everybody gets drunk, they bring out the yeah. the crappy stuff because yeah. you can't taste it so well because you're drunk. And he says, you... Most likely, that's what he means. I mean, that's the implication there, right? Of course. The palate begins to become loose. Everything becomes. (laughs) Right. And so, yeah, now God's not like that, but... But it's wine. If it's... Yeah, I mean... Sure. If that's grape juice... Sure. You're still going to taste that. That third cup of grape juice is going to taste just like that. This is a wedding. Yeah. Who doesn't... Who has ever been to a wedding where there's free wine and somebody didn't drink too much of it? Of course, they there there are those that will. Yeah, some would say, "Well, the Lord, you know, wouldn't provide." They they forget who the Lord is. The Lord's the same Lord that He always that He is right now. Mm-hmm. The Lord that provided uh, for wine to occur in nature. The same Lord that created the conditions for the wine that Noah drank. Right. Is this same Lord who creates the conditions for all the things that are done? Yeah. All right. Anyway. Agreed. Okay. We, but we're a little we'll bit upstream there. No, I will bury that. <laughs> bury that. We're not teetotalers, are we? No. No. Okay. So even let's bury the, the water pot thing. I'm with we'll you. even forget that, you know, that the preacher's job is to fill the pot with water and it's the Lord's job to then turn that into wine. Yeah. That's why a preacher doesn't need to meddle. He needs to preach. But... Back to back to your topic, right. Mary. So there's a relationship here that seems interesting. They, sure, have, it is. it's his mother. We have a statement given. Whose relationship with their mom isn't interesting, especially a, a guy's? Uh, Every guy has some interesting relationship with his mother. Yeah. So let, we want to explore that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So here she's commanding the uh, 
the servants. So they wanted wine. The mother says of Jesus says to him, they have no wine. So that's like what? Like do something about this? We got to do something? All right. Well, you mean his statement? She says they have no wine. And he says, woman. Yeah. First of all, he starts out with woman. Now, that's a term of respect. This is not him being, like, rebellious or something. Uh, he couldn't possibly be. He's the Lord. <laughs> right. This is a, a, a term of, of respect. It's not a term of familiarity, especially. Hmm. It's not especially familiar. Like term. if you would have called it mom, mom. right there. Yeah. yeah. And I don't see any mamas in, in the Bible. I see babas. Yeah. I see abba, which is... Father. Yeah, I see that. But this is not a term of familiarity, but it is a term of great respect. So he's not dissing her, but he's distancing himself from her request because her request comes from the familiar relationship she has with him. She's his mom. She comes to him to ask him to do something because she's his mom. Now, what? just trying to think of the circumstances around this, is this like... Perhaps she's involved in like the wedding or well, she's like, what's she's she doing aware? here? You know, she's, she's, doing she's here? aware. She finds out things. You know, there are such people that accommodate everything everywhere they go. I'm sure she's a good woman that way. I know they're at a wedding. Some weddings, everybody comes. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and and frankly, in the Middle East, everybody does come. If you happen to be near a wedding, you're going to get invited right into it. I remember when Karen and I were in Israel, we were staying at a place and. Uh, they had a wedding of, there was a Falasha wedding that the Jewish people that were airlifted out of, mostly out of Sababa, but throughout Ethiopia, and taken into Israel. Hmm. They were actually rescued from persecution, and then they were put, placed in Israel, and the nation of Israel acknowledged these people are Jews, even though they're blacks, the Falasha. Of Ethiopia, and there's quite an interesting story in Ethiopia. There's there's quite a historical change, some true, some false, of Solomon and mm-hmm. Queen of Sheba and some right. other things. Solomon mines, Solomon's mines, certainly somewhere in Africa, maybe Tanzania, maybe Zimbabwe. Broadly speaking, Ethiopia, all of East Africa is broadly speaking Ethiopia in a historical sense. But I won't, I won't go down any further. Yeah. That way, we we were invited to that wedding, and of course, we were participating, guests of honor. It. At uh-huh. a Falasha wedding, just that happened to fun. be by. Was that fun? It was. It was, was just enjoyable. It was interesting. It was, was it more interesting than fun, or both? More interesting than fun. We yeah. didn't really know how to conduct ourselves. <laughs> yeah, kind of awkward. Do their dance and singing and stuff. Uh-huh. But of course, when I've been in Kenya, I've been invited to weddings. Just happened to be in a particular village, and they're just big events. Big events. And they last as long as the food and drink <laughs> lasts <laughs> until the wine runs out. Right. Everything's gone when it's over with, and. In fact, some some weddings go on for you know more than a day. Yeah. Anyway, so possibly a big wedding, but so regardless, she's there. She apparently 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 a bigger wedding than they thought because they ran out of wine. Yeah, and she's there, uh, probably guest of honor. You know, I mean, known. It's in Galilee, so that's where he's from. The Lord is known. Of course, is the Lord Galilee is known. a region or a it's a region. Okay, but not a city. It's a region of right. Cana is the city and Galilee's yeah, region. Galilee. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it's right there. Uh, I've been there. Uh, anyway. So uh, he begins to distance himself in verse 4. Woman, what have I to well, do Well, you know, it's you? just the, if you know what the Catholics teach, let me tell you what the Catholics teach because okay. I'm an ex. And I know that either a lot of exes listen to this show or they should. 
be, or they should become axes uh, once the Lord opens their understanding. Yeah. So what the Catholics teach is that Jesus doesn't want to do this, but because she his mom to. comes to him, yeah, he can't refuse his mom, and so he does what his mom wants. So they teach us like chain of command. Therefore, <laughs> you should pray to Mary instead of Jesus when you're not getting what you want. I mean, yeah, you go ahead and ask Jesus. You can ask God the Father. But if you aren't getting what you want, you go to Mary because she gets him to do what he doesn't want to do. That's actually Roman Catholic teaching. I made it way more plain than they do. They wind it with their casuistry. But uh, that's what it is. As you begin to read the scriptures... And you come out of your religion, whether it's Catholic or Catholic lookalike, like Lutholic or Episcopalic <laughs> or, uh, you know, pieces of or modern Methodism, you know, as they're all converging into the old-time religion. And then it's collapsing into the new-time religion, which is the old religion, but that's confusion. That's why it's called Babylon. But it's actually just the opposite of what they say. Uh, and how so? She comes to him on a familiar basis and says, Dabna wine. Yeah. And he says, respectfully, dear dear lady, you know, my dear, or woman, mm-hmm. as it's pl- as said here, what do I have to do with thee? We don't have any connection here. Mine hour is not yet come. In other words, he's telling her, I don't operate on the principle upon which you come to me. You come to me, I'm your son, you're asking me to do you a favor. That's not how I operate. I'm about my father. He doesn't come here and say, I'm about my father's business. He told her that when he's 12. Yeah. By now she knows. Don't you, 12, don't don't you know? know? By now she knows. And he goes, mine hour has not yet come. I'm on a timetable. And of course, this is the first disclosure that the Lord has an hour. So we're also being taught that, that, you know, the Lord is on a very clear and precise mission and schedule. Mm. The Lord dies at the right time, right? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He is on more precise than British time. Right Right at the exact (laughs) perfect time. He's on a perfect timetable. That's something, of course, we should learn about the Lord Jesus. He's on a perfect timetable. So when you get in a hurry or when you get lax, you know, that's not him. He's neither in a hurry nor lax. So that's what he's telling her. Now, it does turn out, right? He does it. That he does it. Right, which is where I think the confusion comes in. Right? Well, I think the confusion does come in there because, while at the one hand he tells her, you know, my now, then, but of course his hour is, not, the, the thing he's referring to, my hour is not yet come? Yeah. It is not yet come. Yeah, but she was just trying to get some wine. She was not referring to the hour either, oh, yeah, right? He tells her things that get that are inspired into the scriptures for our learning, right? So you know, she goes and hides that in her heart, but she goes away persuaded that he is going to do something. You see, because she goes away and says, "Whatever he says, do you do?" So she knows he's going to handle the situation, but it's not what she thinks. Look, she's like other believers at that moment, at that time, and in that age, like the apostles. She's very educated, of course, in the, in the scriptures. She's a godly woman, and she's got the godly hope that the Jews had. But you remember that even the prophets didn't know the Lord's timetable. Right. 
They knew what was going to happen, but they didn't know when things would take place. The Spirit of God that was in them was telling them things that would happen. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't know, according to Peter, right? Right. Is the manner of time. We don't focus enough on the Lord's timing, I think, in, in sometimes when we teach the Scriptures, because we have to take what we learn in Hebrews and apply it. When we learn that Jesus Christ, the Word, did not merely create the physical universe, which is obvious to everyone, including unbelievers, that God created his power and Godhead from the creation, mm -hmm. but also that time is organized around our Lord Jesus, by whom it tells us God framed the ages. So he's referring now to his hour and Mary and all those who followed the Lord. Remember, Mary's going to be one of the one of the ones in the upper room too. Yeah. So she's diligent, faithful, and one of the you know close disciples. Mm -hmm. But one thing we learn in the in the context of the New Testament is these close disciples still had no clue how that Christ must die. Right. And if you look at the gospel that Paul preached to the Jews, right. He would open and allege that that the that, that the Messiah needed to die. That's what's missing. Right. That was their like when they did it in ignorance. They didn't realize they that didn't know had, they, they were they, crucifying the Lord of Glory. Right. They didn't and they think didn't, that was possible. They weren't looking for a, a savior that was a servant and had to die. They were looking for the the savior that was going to save them. Right. The king or the the mighty powerful lion and not the lamb. Is that fair? Yeah, and failed to realize that flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. How do you overlook your own sins? I mean, okay, they did, but that's pretty. That's a big overlook. Yeah, how they didn't know that Christ needed to die. What about your sins? Right. So they they didn't realize it, and. That's consistent throughout the scriptures, but that's the hour he's talking about. Okay. Just yeah. for reference, that Hebrews that you refer to, yes, the framed ages, that's Hebrews 1, verse 2. 2. Hebrews 1, 2, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, by whom he made the worlds, the King James reads, but really that yeah. word is aeon, ages. And it but has to do King James time. is perfect in its inspiration, so it couldn't possibly have used an... <laughs> Yeah, couldn't have possibly used a word that wasn't perfect there. You know, I I told you I had an email from a yeah King James version guy. Yeah. Of course, didn't meet him. So so he kind of tells her, you know, I'm on my own time schedule. Yes, and then she seems to be okay with. I mean, she says whatever he says, do. And that's an interesting thing that she would say to his like, are the servants there? Those are just the people that are working at the wedding, yeah. or is it his disciples that... No, they're the people working for the ruler of the feast. So she must be like involved in this wedding feast somehow, right? Because they're, they're taking orders from her, kind of. Or they're taking advice from her? Like, Wouldn't they be like, who are you, and why are you telling us what to do? <laughs> we're trying to work here. Well, of course, uh, they're not just saying we're trying to work here. At this point, they're in an absolute panic. They're out of wine. They're out of wine. Yeah, it's not good. So this is a really serious problem at a wedding. Yeah, okay. It's like being out of food. 
Yeah. You kind of have to do something. Mm-hmm. I was at a wedding one time. It was a crisis like this. They ran out of wine? Well, they happened to be teetotalers. <laughs> <laughs> they ran out of soda. Okay. It was a wedding in Kenya, and it got started late. There was just you know, everything gets late in Africa for yeah. reasons of logistics, and it got late. And the people that were coming to the wedding celebration were there already and mounting up a pretty good crowd. And in the midst of that crowd snuck in the parking boys, the street boys, and they got at the sodas. Mm. <laughs> And uh, what what happened was that uh, the the sister of the groom who was organizing the wedding, she was trying to get cold drinks, especially out to the older guests because it was hot. And these kids got into the sodas and they all disappeared. Ravaged it, yeah. So they were out of sodas. What what they do? Well, that's when the emergency hit, and some of the guests pulled their cars together and went and got more sodas. So I imagined. This emergency, she finds out about it, and just as a friend, uh, nobody knows. Nobody knows what to do. She, she's the only one with an answer. Mm-hmm. She goes, "Wait a minute, let me, let me try something." And her answer is really, "Listen to him. Listen to him, because he'll we'll leave it with this guy here. It's an impossible situation. Listen to my son, yeah. which is good advice." Maybe people have a possible situations they're facing. They're listening to this. Don't turn to Mary. She's yeah. helpless. Right? Do what he says. Mm-hmm. He he figure a way out of this. For him, that's no problem for him. It's not like you know hard. Yeah. He's fill those six water pots. He's he's not gonna be stingy here either. Right. You know these are these are sizable water pots. It escapes me right now. Two or three firkin, whatever. How much that. a firkin is. Right, me too. This kind of bothers me about the king. These are the things that bother me about the King James. A firkin. A firkin. What's now, a firkin? Don't you tell me that the word firkin is the inspired scripture here because <laughs> I would never be able to figure out what a firkin is. Yeah, you said uh, it, you said it escapes you, and I, I said me too, but that's probably not even fair. Like, I don't even know. It can't I escape it me because I don't I want to say it's like 30 gallons. Really? I'm not sure. I'm guessing now. But it's a lot. You can find that out in the annotated Bible. How do you get those conversions? I don't know. (laughs) I'm glad guys did it. I mean, I you know, uh, some things you just have to depend on others to do. Yeah. You know, you asked me about that text this week earlier or last week, and you know what I, you saw what I did. I turned to a friend of mine who says he's got apparatus. Right. Of course, he's one of the best Greek guys in the whole stinking world right now, but uh, he would never say that, but he is. His response to me was, the apparatus says this. Ah. I said, I'd like to know more about the apparatus. Well, a firkin is about nine me- uh, imperial gallons. What's an imperial gallon as opposed to? It's like 1.2 gallons of our gallons. Okay. I think it's four liters. There's 3.8 liters to our gallon, but an imperial gallon has four liters. So these are big old. Nine gallons of wine, you know, and six of them. six. That's 54 gallons of wine. The best wine they ever tasted, too. And the best wine a guy ever had. 
Pretty amazing. So he sets forth, right? Of course, the number six is there for the number of man in the water pot, earthen vessel. That's for yeah. us. And that water to wine and all the things that we didn't really want to cover here is all in there. But here we also see the Lord meeting the need abundantly. And yeah. I think that's another thing we want to say about the Lord. The Lord is not cheap. You know, a lot of people think cheap, that's Christian. Yeah. You're being, <laughs> I mean, you're being a good steward. Yeah, that's a, exactly. Good steward. I yep. mean, I had a guy wander, you know, risk a drive across busy intersection to save a, a cent, a centavo, no, one cent of a of a pound in the UK on me and uh, saying, you know, you're not being a good steward by paying too much. Well, Abraham paid too much for the cave at Machpelah. He paid too much. That By every measure that you look at, he paid too much, happily you know, or joyfully. So it's not always the Christian thing to get the deal. Yeah. yeah. And the Lord is not that way. The Lord made 54 gallons of wine here. <laughs> really good stuff. Yeah. It's a super abounding grace. Yeah, that's the picture is, 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 is super abundant grace. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So let's loop around back to where I said we weren't going to go quickly. Water to wine? The pots. So you the said that's a pre- the that's to the preacher. Vessels. Huh? You said that's to a preacher, but is there's no personal application? Like, can't you fill up your own pot? Sure, you can fill up your own pot. Okay. Yeah. Just not those pots over there. But these are the servants, you know, yeah. of the feast. So. I get that. Being this Lord's servant. We're all the Lord's servants. Yeah. But but you and I are preachers anyway. So you're not? We take those applications. Do you, do you know your call to preach? Are you asking me personally? I'm right asking now? you personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, so I, I wouldn't be that. doing it if I wasn't. Well, <laughs> some <laughs> right? do. Well, there are many that preach right. without a call. Many. Most. Okay. Most guys I've heard preach without a call. That's unfortunate. Maybe not most, but a lot. Yeah. There, I mean, there's plenty out there should never preach. Yeah. So I take a p- application that way, and plus sure. they're filling other ve- you know these are people filling other they're vessels. Putting the water in own. other vessels, yeah. I if, get it, if it was a, if it was a picture, say bring me your vessel. Every man bring their own vessel, and here you up. fill your vessel. Yeah, but it's not. It's filling vessels for others. Gotcha. You know some of the best some of the best thoughts I had about this was, you know, limit your work to filling the vessel with water. Don't go messing with wine. That's not your problem, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to turn it to wine either. That's something the Lord does. Yeah. Don't put that pressure on yourself and don't think that you have the ability to. And don't put that pressure that. on other people. Mm-hmm. You know, try to mess with filling them with the finished stuff. You don't know. You teach the word. Right. You don't know what God's going to do with that word in that person. You, that's, you stay out, keep your hands off. Mm-hmm. You know, two guys died touching God's things without permission. Talking about the ark? Well, Uzzah. Yeah, I'm talking about, you know, David was mad. Now, you don't touch God's stuff. Mm. Keep your hands off God's things when you're not authorized, which is his people. It's hard for the preacher to stay off the people. Yeah. Met, meddle and, me, and mess around. But it isn't hard for the preacher to do what he says, which is to fill the water pots. There's lots of water. Yeah. Well, as a, a shepherd, you, I, I would imagine I am not one. But I would imagine you 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 better be. Well, 
I think that you, you that, can't teach without shepherding. Well, I was thinking more. I'm sorry, shepherd is probably uh, as an episcopal, as an overseer. No, you're not an overseer. Right. But you got that's West what I was of, thinking. As a you got God gave you Wes. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I got to oversee. So He's given you plenty. Yeah, yeah. I was saying as a as an overseer, you probably have to draw lines between overseeing and meddling, and what the. I mean, don't you have to personally judge yeah. the difference in what you're going to do? Yes. Okay. In fact, my emphasis has been to hands off. Yeah. And um, how's that working out? I, I think it works out well because uh, when when people see God enables. So when people come to you for advice, they come instead of you go. The God enables you in ways that are uh, like I tell people. I give you way better advice than I can ever give myself. <laughs> And I do. I give, yeah. I give people way better advice than I give myself because God enables me in that work that he's given me to do. He hasn't given me all that work to do with myself. He's given me different work yeah. for myself than for others. But if you remember the, the premier charge that God gives his servant, you know, when you've done what you're supposed to, you know, when you've served, that's what I was supposed to do, I'm an unprofitable servant. And if you realize, yeah, I'm unprofitable, but still useful, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a conundrum, but there it is. And you limit yourself to the most important thing, right? Which is the word. Remember we had a church discussion this week a little bit? that you know, Yeah. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. And the Thessalonians, they sounded the word of God abroad. That's what we need to stick to. And that's what the preacher needs to stick to. There's plenty of work to do filling the water pots. Yeah. So isn't, isn't I don't know the, if I'm going down the avenue you were, but... Isn't the view of the unprofitable servant that... and Because the unprofitable servant says, I'm just doing what that what I ought to do. Uh-huh. But they view that there is profit. It's just not that they're bringing it, right? Yes, God... You do what you're supposed to do. Four God is the profitable one. We are on the earth, and we bring four parts. We're the number four, right? I thought you said we're the number six. Well, we are. <laughs> we're the number six, but okay. what we do is the number four, earthly things. We do yeah. mundane We do mundane things. We speak, we talk, we walk, we read, we write. Yeah. These are all earthly activities that have no profit in and of themselves. God has the fifth part. God brings the profit. Yeah. Which is a nice 20 or 25%, depending on how you want to look at it. You get to the number five. I'm just giving you old Bible numerics, right? Four is the order of the natural world. Mm-hmm. So that's the natural things that we do. We do everything in the body. Even praying in and of itself is a natural thing insofar as communication from our out of our thoughts mm-hmm. to someone. But God brings the prophet. God brings a profit. So the Lord says in all labor there's profit. That's something you need to believe. Mm-hmm. Because when you're doing it, how many times do you tell yourself, this is a waste of time. It doesn't even pay for my time and effort to do this. The Lord says in all labor there's profit. So he, he comes in. you know, God joins in everything that we do yeah. and brings the profit. And turns it to five, which is the number of? Grace. Grace. And that's the grace of God, see? Mm-hmm. The grace of God is that these servants end up being profitable, right? Just by pouring water in those vessels. Yeah. Nine gallons each. Problem solved. Just doing what they're told. Just did what they were told. Never underestimated. 